Welcome to another episode of the AbilityNet podcast. Disability, technology, inclusion. I'm your host, Robin Christofferson, Head of Digital Inclusion at AbilityNet, a pioneering UK charity with a mission to make a digital world accessible to all. Join me on this series to revisit key themes from TechShare Pro 2022, a place where accessibility professionals and allies gather once a year to share and learn together. You can download a transcript of this episode from www.abilitynet.org.uk slash podcast. So sit back, grab your favorite beverage and let's get started. Right then, guys, we have a brilliant session in store for you here on the AbilityNet podcast. We are going to revisit one of the keynote presentations from TechShare Pro, uh, the global accessibility B2B conference that we host every November. And I'm with the mastermind, the evil genius behind <laughs> TechShare Pro. <laughs> Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. Mark um, Walker, who heads marketing, as everyone knows, here at uh, AbilityNet, but so much more as well. Okay, um, this session, Mark, is about SEO. Now, you and I, search engine optimization, you and I were talking about SEO and the overlap with accessibility way back. Can you remember when we ago. first? Yeah, yeah. I think, that vid- I think the webinar that we did was in 2014, you know. Maybe, wow. uh, you know, you and I, I remember that we met, um, the, you, you did something on the internet marketing podcast, mm-hmm. um, at the time and we, and we then did a webinar about it. Yeah. And I think that the big difference, you know, what we're about to hear is we're talking to Google about this now. And, um, I, it was interesting you, what, what, what we're hearing in the, you know, in the recording is that I think that they're beginning to see the connection because we were talking to the SEO people, not the accessibility people. But I don't think the accessibility people have quite caught up yet either. The, the, there's a lot of benefit in the in the crossover. We also did a webinar in November, uh, in September 2022, before TechShare Pro, and involved one of our clients, AXA, and we talked to their SEO and content teams. So that's that's also in the archive somewhere. You'll find that on our website. And I think we, you know, despite us doing that nine years ago. I think people have caught up. I think they've re- begun to realize some of the golden rules for accessibility are really helpful for SEO. And um, that's exactly what you talk to these guys about. And uh, it, it's all laid out there, you know, that um, get your accessibility right, get your SEO right. And they work perfectly for each other, I think. Brilliant. Well, we're about to find out. So I was talking to Christopher Patno. He's EMEA, Lead on Disability and Accessibility. John Mueller, who is a Senior Search Analyst and also Lizzie Sassman, who is a senior technical writer, all at Google. And we're talking SEO and accessibility. Well, we are really, really pleased to be here. Um, SEO is obviously really high on the priority list of most web teams, uh, marketing teams. It's obviously really important that your um information, your hard work is visible on the internet. And we actually have um, the horse from whose mouth we will hear about the importance of search engine optimization. So from the horse's mouth, we have Google with us, three fantastic experts from Google itself, 
the home of search engine um, rankings, and it's still, I'm sure, by far the most popular search engine, uh, certainly in the English-speaking world. Um, we have three guests. I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves very, very briefly, if that's all right. So, uh, Chris, should we start with you? Yeah, hi, my name is Christopher Patnell, and I'm sorry you're seeing me yet again. Um, I lead accessibility and disability inclusion for Google, for the Europe, the Middle, the Middle East, and Africa. Uh, John? Cool. Um, hi, I'm John Mueller. I'm a search advocate on the Google Search Relations team in Zurich. And uh, my team works to connect people who make websites and search engine engineers, essentially, to make sure that we're speaking the right language and giving useful recommendations uh, to both sides. Brilliant. Lizzie. Hi, I'm Lizzie. I'm also on John's team on the search relations team at Google. Uh, I'm a technical writer, and so my primary focus is to document what the Google guidelines are uh, for making an SEO-friendly website. And then it's also to uh, speak with people in the community to bring back uh, feedback about how uh, everyone is experiencing those guidelines. Fantastic. And you and uh, John wrote a brilliant article recently about SEO and accessibility. Uh, so we've absolutely got the right people on the, the call here yeah. today. So who would like to kick off with their take on um, the overlap? You know, is it pointing in the right direction? Are there any issues with uh, SEO when it comes to accessibility, um, where maybe it isn't, you know, there is some friction there. So who would like to get the ball rolling? Let, let me start from an accessibility perspective, because in, in all honesty, this is not something that I had really thought about much in, until recently. The, the podcast between John and Lizzie has triggered some really exciting thoughts with me and, and the work that I do. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized it's actually the same mission. It's really about connect, communicating with people, connecting people with the websites that they care about, connecting people with the contents that they care about. And if, if we as Google, with our, our mission of to make the world's information universally accessible and useful, if we're to, to meet that goal, we need to do everything we can to make all of the world's information accessible and useful. That also requires having people help a little bit and, and providing alt text as, as SEO is one of these twofers. The alt text for people who are blind, they get a chance to see what's actually being displayed, but it's important. And the SEO, it, it, it can use the same information as long as it's just done thoughtfully and well, I have no idea how to do that. So I'll, I'll leave it to John and Lizzie. Yeah, I, I, I do think there, there's a lot of overlap there as well. Um, on, on the one hand, that's partially because I think from the SEO side of things, you want to make websites that work well for everyone. Uh, so you want to make sure that when people come to your website through the search engines, that they stay, that they recommend your website to other people. Because that's that's one of the things that Google looks for when it comes to, to ranking in the search results, links, essentially. And links are essentially kind of in, in its basic form recommendations. Uh, so if you have users that go to your website and they can't deal with your content, then they're not going to recommend it, your, your website to other people. So from, from that level, even everything around accessibility is, is super important. I think the other angle that is almost a little bit awkward is that uh, on, on the SEO side of things, um, SEO is 
do like to talk about accessibility as well because they think it, it kind of helps. Uh, but they also talk about it because it's something that essentially helps uh, search engine crawlers. So you can think about Googlebot, our crawler, is essentially a user going to your website, and it's it's a user who's who's not... I don't know, very smart. They look at the text on the page. They try to understand what you have written there. They understand the headings. They understand the, the anchor text that you have for links, the alt attributes for images and things like that. Uh, but essentially, you have to help Googlebot to understand your content. And uh, basically, by doing the normal things for accessibility, at least how I understand them. I'm not an expert. Uh, you're doing something that works well for search engine crawlers as well as for users who need some extra help with accessibility. So from that point of view, it's like we, on the SEO side, we like to say, well, we're doing this for accessibility, but also with kind of the thought in the back of our head, well, actually, it helps search engines too. So it's like bonus almost. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I see it as sort of a Venn diagram, and most things fall into the middle section of the Venn diagram from uh, SEO perspective and from accessibility. Uh, for example, alt text, like you mentioned, uh, that would be something that both sides uh, would want. John, Lizzie, question for you from accessibility perspective. Um, is it possible to confuse the crawler? Like if, if a, a, a page is poorly designed, for example, we can really confuse the screen reader if everything is a bunch of dims and you're having to go all over the place. But do we also confuse the search engine in similar ways? I I think that can definitely happen. And uh, the the divs all over the place, or if you use kind of CSS tricks to, to move blocks of text <laughs> around on a page, that's something where when Google looks at the page and tries to understand the content there, which we do by reading sentences, essentially. If we can't read clear sentences uh, from the way that the page is structured, then we're going to have a really hard time. Uh, so from that point of view, that's something if you create a website with a clean structure, it just makes things a lot easier for Google. And that, that also goes to things like links. Like if you have a button that is styled to look like a link, or if you just have an image that essentially acts like a link, that's something where Google won't necessarily recognize, well, there's actually a link here that you could follow if you click on this thing. And uh, I imagine from an accessibility point of view, that's that's a similar problem. If you can't recognize that something is a link, but rather it uses some fancy JavaScript behind the scenes, how, how do you guide users to explaining that this is actually something, I don't know, that they could follow and use on your website? I'm nodding away for any visually impaired um, listeners today or watchers, um, attendees. So Absolutely. And your article, uh, guys, was mainly had a, its main focus on um, alternative text, didn't it? Do you want to give people a, a kind of a quick rundown onto the, the, the best way to use alternative text on images to optimize your SEO? I'm like looking at John, seeing if John is going mm -hmm. to start, if, if I should start. Um, I think... Uh, it, it's funny that you say article because it, it was actually a podcast recording, but I think uh, we also published a PDF version, a text-based document um, of uh, what we discussed. And then I think it was shared as an article, uh, just for those who may not know about the context, uh, how we came about joining this event. Even uh, John and I were talking about uh, image SEO in general. Uh, and then accessibility kind of came up as a uh, uh, 
hot topic, I guess. Uh, but for alt text, um, from an SEO perspective, it would be using that alt equals attribute on an image. Um, but there's more to just adding that alt attribute or alt tag. <laughs> um, it's the words that go into that uh, attribute to describe the image uh, and which images that you need to add that to. Um, and that's something that John and I aren't so sure about. So maybe Christopher, uh, you have uh, some perspective on um, which images are important to add that kind of uh, alt attribute to. Um, for example, I wasn't sure about uh, adding to descriptive, um, sorry, adding uh, to what might be perceived as like a decorative image. Uh, so something mm -hmm. that's there uh, to add, I don't know, like, Hold on. yeah. Uh, so yes. should you add uh, alt attribute to all these kinds of things and what matters for, uh, for SEO versus uh, for accessibility? At, at a high level, you want to mark up the things that matter. So if it's truly decorative, don't include it. You don't need to take, go through the effort because if it doesn't impact the message that you're trying to give, it just makes it pretty, don't worry about it. But when it comes to the, the images that are relevant, the images that are important, you want to have a thoughtful description of these things. And the last thing in the world we want to have is sort of a, a keyword style, um, beach, ball, kids, game. Nah, we, we were, the world is smarter than that. What we want to have is sort of, if you're gonna do it from a database, apply an NLP on top of it and create a thoughtful sentence. Because beach, ball, games, kid is one thing, but four children playing football or soccer at the beach, means something completely different. And it and one provides actually context, not just nouns. So be thoughtful when it comes to, to doing this. And you have all of those same words there. And Google and, and other engines are smart enough to understand the nouns and, and, and make this connection. I, I, I think that's, that's fantastic because that overlaps so much with what we say as well. Uh, you shouldn't just randomly put keywords into the descriptions for the images. It should be something relevant, be something that gives context also to the image uh, so that it's it's something useful, I guess, for search engines and for users. I wanted to talk then about um, where there might be some conflicts between SEO and accessibility. And this might be to do with organizations' brand. Maybe they have certain requirements that they have to meet that will impact SE, uh, accessibility. We know about color contrast, for example, that sort of thing. But is there a, an area where brand is in conflict with search engine optimization as well? And I'd be interested to know if you guys have any thoughts around you know, where SEO and accessibility might not be pushing in the same direction. I think it's, it's tricky because there's so many aspects uh, included in branding overall. So it's it's kind of hard to say where where might that not align, uh, but especially your mention of uh, the the contrast color contrast for example, that's something where from an SEO point of view we we don't really focus on that much when, when it comes to search at least on Google side we basically try to understand the text on the page. And if you have yellow on white background text, then as, as someone looking at the page, you might, might tr have trouble recognizing that text. Uh, but for search engines, they would look at that and say, well, there's text here. We can just index that text normally. So that, that feels like 
kind of one of those areas where, where you're touching upon where, well, from an accessibility point of view, it's really important that you can actually make your text readable. And from a search engine point of view, if we can find the text on the page, we're kind of happy. I think the ordering within the HTML, that's something that, that definitely plays a role. Uh, the, the headings are, are very important. I, I love to hear that you use headings because uh, SEOs always ask us about headings. And it's, it's one of those topics where we, we sometimes defer back and say, well, for accessibility reasons, you should do this anyway. Uh, but it's, it's fantastic to have someone who's actually saying, well, actually, I do use those all the time, and they're really important. Yes, um, and how disruptive it might be uh, if you skip from an H2 to an H4 or something, because I see people either doing that or asking about that, like, does this impact anything if they pick it for a style uh, choice, for example? So say their content management system that they're using, the H4 is styled more nicely, I guess, uh, just how they might like it visually, but then it's not matching up with the order uh, and that that could impact uh, other users in other ways. Um, so it's good to hear that like that would lay out the page for you uh, when you're navigating. So, you know, what tools would you recommend and what kind of workflows that people could use when they're thinking about SEO and maybe accessibility as well? Um, so I uh, I work on the Google Search Central documentation site, uh, and I've been doing some improvements for SEO and for accessibility. And one of the tools that I found helpful in determining what to fix or kind of where the, the problem pages were is the tool Screaming Frog, which is an external uh, SEO tool that anyone can use. Uh, and it I found it helpful in pulling the list of pages that were uh, missing an alt attribute. Um, so you can sort of query like all the pages uh, that are on your site that are maybe missing something or uh, has an alt attribute that's too short. Um, so you can specify uh, and link text as well. So you can say, you know, anything shorter than 10 characters or something like I'm suspicious that that's actually descriptive. Um, it might be depending Image. on your parameters. Yeah, like it could be, uh, yeah, specific streams as, strings as well. Uh, so for example, for link text, I think it automatically checks for things uh, that are saying like click here uh, as, the, as the text for a link. Uh, and it would find those pages that have links that are suspicious um, that might be too short or that could be improved. Uh, and then you can add on your own um, strings that you think might be specific for, for your website that could be uh, improved. Yeah, I, I think what's, what's interesting about Screaming Frog, I, I mean, on, on the one hand, it's, it's not a tool from Google, so I feel awkward promoting it too much, but I, know. I, <laughs> I, found, it, I found it really useful. Uh, but basically, what, what it does is it crawls your whole website and looks for these kinds of issues. So on a per-page basis, obviously, using something like Lighthouse is fantastic. You get so much information in there, so much information about the SEO side of things, the speed, accessibility as well. Uh, but if you have a website with, I don't know, a 1,000 pages, doing that manually across those pages is really hard. And that's mm -hmm. where kind of these crawlers that look at all pages on your, of your website really shine because you can just let it run over everything. You fix the issues. You fix maybe things in your templates that are wrong. And then you double check it again and make sure that it's actually doing better. And 
I, I think like Lizzie mentioned, a lot of these things are more about suspicious elements where a tool can't say, it's like, oh, this link has to be bad because it's only nine characters long. Maybe maybe that's okay. But knowing where suspicious things are, you kind of can drill down a little bit better. Yeah. If I can, looking going into to, to Chrome Lighthouse, it itself gives you recommendations and warnings. It doesn't definitively say your contrast is bad because these kinds of tools, there could be a sampling error in which mm-hmm. samples the wrong part of, the, of an image to, to, and it detects the, the softest part of, of a smooth image, for example. So that contrast not, might not be good, but the rest of the image is fine. So even in Lighthouse, you don't want to definitively say, this is a problem. This is a warning. This is something you should check. So even when just, just doing accessibility separate from SEO, just doing accessibility, you want to go in and manually verify these things too. Advantage, but what about you know key trends, future developments? Where do you see this area going? Is there any kind of tips or insights that you can give us in what Google might be doing in the future when it comes to to SEO and maybe accessibility as well? Where, where I think there is still room for growth, and whether or not that will actually happen, like. Who knows? Um, but it, it feels like there, there's still some opportunities. For example, we, we have the page experience ranking factor, uh, which is based on the core web vitals, which is a set of metrics that we use to try to understand if a page is fast, if a page uh, is reasonable when it's loading, how interactive it is, if it shifts around while you try to engage with the page. And uh, that's something where... At, at the moment, it uses three factors there. Uh, it also uses uh, security and mobile friendliness, and I think some other factor that I just forgot. Uh, but it, it feels like this is one of those factors where we try to understand the user experience of a page, and that kind of maps to accessibility as well. And uh, I could imagine at some point in the future, maybe we have some factors there that are more focused around accessibility. and. I, I, I can't promise this. So this is more like my my vague thinking that maybe something like this could happen. Uh, it's also something where the, the folks working on Chrome are very engaged with the core web vitals. Uh, it, there's an open source community that's active all around speed and accessibility and all of these um, kind of factors that could be used for, for this kind of metric. So that's something where if someone is really engaged on the accessibility side of things and wants to be active in the open source world, that would, might be a great place to start as well and kind of push things along and say, well, here is this really clean objective measurement about accessibility, and it would be really helpful if Google were to promote it as well. And uh, <laughs> then some, some kind of collaboration, I, I think, could happen there. But, I think uh, what can be tricky is maybe the alt text aspect, because something that you could check is just, is it there or not? Like a binary, like, do they have it or not? But measuring if it's good alt text is sort of like up for discussion. It's it's hard to have that kind of baked into the tool or to have that as like clear actionable guidance like you can for core web vitals, for example. Like we have it's a number, like you can measure it uh, and then measure improvement. Um, but for writing good descriptive alt text, I don't know. Especially if you take a look at internationalization. Mm. Doing it in one language is one thing. Doing it in all languages makes it even even that much harder. Again, binary is easy. A useful is harder, and then it gets even harder internationally. Um, 
I get asked this question a lot. Why can't Google just see if a page is accessible and, and, and only promote those pages that are accessible because it's really hard to determine if it is. But even the color contrast, because the sampling talk thing I talked about just a moment ago, that's really hard to know as well. So it, it, we would want to, if we were to do this, we would want to be really, really sure that we're right and, 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 and make it possible for people to measure for themselves or else it, it wouldn't be fair for anyone. Now, I'm struggling every day with inaccessibility, but I really wouldn't like to have pages that had the key content that I needed demoted to page four or five of the search engine rankings because they aren't fully accessible. You know, so there's definitely a balancing act there as well. Mm -hmm. So whilst I'm, you know, calling for a certain amount of accessibility to be factored in to encourage best practice at the same time, yeah, if those, if, I mean, 98% of homepages tested, they tested 2 million homepages and 98% didn't even meet the base level of, of accessibility, the single A, when we know that double A, the middle level is the, the sort of legal requirement in most uh, locations, in most regions. Um, so this kind of brings me on to, to AI because uh, Lizzie was talking about how it's really difficult and, and Chris as well about alternative text, you know, it's binary, is it there or not? And then after that, it's, you know, is it a decent one? And that is going to take a massive leap in AI. But, you know, there's a lot of artificial intelligence at play at the moment, I'm sure, in the algorithms already. Um, how much does it play a factor in, say, the readability of a page? Because that's got a massive impact on accessibility, you know, use of good plain English so that people can understand it, you know, with a reading age of, you know, less than 12, for example, which is the national average here in the UK. So, you know, things like that, um, are we within, you know, reaching distance of that sort of thing being factored in? I don't know. <laughs> so, I, I, I think, I don't know if we have talked about uh, kind of the, the reading level determination or, or something along those lines uh, when, when it comes to search yet. So it's, it's something where from the, the communications that we do with site owners, it's usually more positioned as something where you should be speaking the language of your audience where you know your audience best, you know how they, they speak, essentially, how they read, uh, how they type, what, what they're looking for, and you should be speaking their language. And uh, that's, I, I think, on, on a very high level, what we try to do, if someone is searching for a headache, they're not looking for a scientific paper about all of the possible causes of headaches. They, I don't know, they just want some tips, maybe, or some information. And uh, that's something where I, I think there, there's a large kind of mapping of what people are searching to what you actually have on your page, uh, which, which plays a role there, where even if you don't understand the reading level of a page or take that into account, if someone is searching for very, I don't know, common words, then if you have those common words on your pages, then of course that will match kind of from a natural point of view already even without taking any of the advanced things into account. And whether or not reading level, for example, is used, I, I don't know. I could imagine that it's something that might be taken into account just purely because it's something that has been around for such a long time and these metrics exist. So maybe someone at Google, almost certainly someone at Google has taken a look at these metrics and tried to figure out, is this something that actually helps us or not? 
because ultimately we, we have to give results that are relevant and useful for users. And like you mentioned in your example with accessibility, if you're searching for something specific and we show you something that is accessible but doesn't match what you're looking for, that's, that's not useful at all. Uh, so it's, it's kind of something where if we can determine that this metric helps to provide better search results, then I'm pretty sure that this is actually being used at Google. Uh, I don't know if it's actually useful in providing better search results. Uh, but uh, kind of that aspect of if it's something that can be measured, and especially if there are well-known mechanisms to measure these things, then almost certainly someone at Google has tried to see if there's a way to, to help improve the search results that way. Is it, I don't think anyone wants us to be an arbiter of what's appropriate language or not. That's, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to provide the best information as quickly as possible. I think yeah. what you're asking for would make a fantastic plugin for someone to download. So if they, if they have a need for assistance, then they can contextually turn it on and, and have a, a page processed for them. That makes more sense to me and a great use of AI um, instead of having us decide that this is the appropriate for someone. I think having a, a plugin that could uh, tell me what the reading level is could be helpful when I'm drafting so that I can see if it's aligning with whatever my intention was, uh, because it might be that I'm writing something that's academic, I guess, uh, in nature, and then therefore I wouldn't be like put off uh, by the fact that it says 12th grade reading level. Um, but if I'm wanting to write something that's uh, beginner level, uh, then I could uh, edit to make it more approachable uh, using easier to understand uh, words and shorter words. Uh, but I think, as you pointed out, it depends uh, a, a lot on the, the type of document that you're writing and the audience. I totally get that. And there are certainly um, authoring tools that will help people get the right level of readability that, you know, for their particular audience and choose the right tone and style that they, they desire. But I think with the um, search engine itself, if there was, you know, a plugin or some settings, user preferences to say, you know, prefer these kind of pages. Now that might be impossible because indexing the internet is a big ask anyway. So have to do that, you know, multiple times for different, sets of user preferences, or maybe it is something that can happen live. I doubt it. So um, there's some technical challenges there. But wow, wouldn't it be amazing if Google, as a search engine, had a lot of user preferences in there that would give them prioritized search results to cater for their particular needs or their particular requirements. So wow, that would be amazing. I, um, I think... I think that's something where we do have a lot of settings, not necessarily for, for reading level, mm -hmm. um, but it is something where I, I feel there are, are already a lot of settings and adding even more settings makes it even harder to find the right setting mm -hmm. uh, for what you're looking for. And the, the angle that I'm always a little bit worried about is that you end up isolating yourself in your small island where you're like, this is exactly the content that I want. And you mm -hmm. never see anything outside of that island. And uh, that would be kind of a shame. Like there should always, I, I, I feel, be some mechanism for the search engine to say, well, actually, here's some content that really matches what you're looking for, but it's not matching your options that you have specified. Brilliant. Well, let's um, kind of start to draw things to a close. Let's talk about um, if you guys have got any top tips about how people who, after having heard about this and all the other TSP sessions, you know, are really fired up about accessibility. 
and whether they can, whether they're in SEO or any other area of digital within their organization, you know, what, what would you recommend that they can do to get the wheels turning within their organization and get accessibility up the agenda? I've got one. There's a great website called web.dev slash accessible. I'm sorry if I stole your thunder, John. Um, this is a great, it's a great relative in a resource that has some fantastic tips and contents that's really good for general accessibility and web. And, and I think from, from an SEO point of view, anything that you do for accessibility, it will work for SEO as well. I, I think the, the one angle for SEO that you should also think about if you're kind of vaguely interested in this, this overlap is making sure that the words on your page actually match what the user is looking for. And it's something that is very easy to say, but it's, it's also very common that you look at a very expensive website and it looks really nice and flashy and everything, but you're like, well, what does this company actually do? And putting clean words on a page, it just makes such a big difference. Well, I'm big on words because I can't see pictures, so I, I'm <laughs> with you there. <laughs> words rule. Lizzie? Yeah, I mean, uh, web.dev, excellent resource for uh, finding out uh, like a good primer uh, to what is important for making your website accessible. Uh, and then from an SEO perspective, plus one to what John was saying, um, you can also uh, use the mobile friendly test um, from Search Console to test to see how Google Googlebot sees your web page. Um, so if you want to see if the text is showing up, or if it's a blank page, um, that is a good way to test uh, to see how the crawler views your web page. Fantastic. And I will reiterate that if there wasn't a transcript of that podcast, then it wouldn't exist on the internet. It wouldn't be indexable. So, you know, words, the power of words. So mm. brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. Really, really appreciate it. Hope everyone's had a brilliant TechShare Pro. Um, and we'll see you next time. Well, Robin, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I love the fact you're talking to the horse's mouth, as you say. I mean, getting Google in the room to talk about SEO um, and the crossover with accessibility, that feels like a, a really um, important step for us in AbilityNet, really, in terms of learning. Um, there's lots of stuff for us to take away there. Lots of tips that I'm sure the SEO and accessibility specialists are going to recognize. Did you feel that they really thought about this before? It's a bit. I thought it was interesting. I wasn't sure that they'd quite put those pieces together themselves even it's a bit a bit like it was a bit of a cutting edge moment for them to some extent i felt like they after they'd been invited to talk about this subject they got really excited <laughs> they after they'd looked into it <laughs> so yeah much. i think so definitely i, know, I mean that's, that's not i'm not knocking them i think it just shows that this is really right when where thinking is right at, really at this stage isn't it bringing these two communities together the seo which is so dominant in marketing and accessibility, which is sometimes, you know, we feel like the poor cousin in every conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, we've had bring- so many conversations around why accessibility isn't just for disabled people. But yeah. so we won't go there now, but just take it for as read that, that it will improve it for everybody. But um, yeah, so marketers, you know, hopefully they feel passionate about inclusion and doing things in an accessible way, even if it's just to get their message out to as many people as possible. But then if you layer on top the fact that it's actually going to benefit SEO, which presses their buttons, doesn't it, big time? I don't need to tell you about that. So um, is really, you know, 
this is a, a strong message, I think, that people need to know about, yeah, definitely. I think so. I mean, I think it was a standout session for me from, from 2022, and I think we'll be, we're working on it through the year as AbilityNet. I think we've got to really think about how we connect into that community more, the SEO and marketing community with our messaging. But it's really interesting that that came from their side in that session there. And I think that really demonstrates where we go next with this is we really try and cross that bridge and bring together the SEO and the accessibility community. And, you know, for anybody listening in now, have a look on our website. There are a couple of um, uh, webinars and recordings and resources up there. Um, The the session from 2024, Robin, is 2014 is still actually directly relevant, of course. It's still the same basic Nothing has changed. The algorithms um, might have been tweaked over and over again over the years, but fundamentally the same principles apply. It will definitely improve your SEO. Practical takeaway, you're probably already using Lighthouse use the accessibility features built into Lighthouse, guys. Don't just look at the the page load times and the other core elements that you're familiar with. Look at the SEO um, accessibility capabilities within it as well. There are other tools out there, information on our website, but when it comes to what tools you're using already, then you've got some really powerful functionality there. So yeah, brilliant. Thanks, Mark. See you soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the AbilityNet podcast. If you'd like more information about how you can make your websites and mobile apps more accessible, easier to use by all, and compliant with current legislation, you can speak with AbilityNet's accessibility experts. Just head over to www.abilitynet.org.uk slash accessibility hyphen services. Thanks again for tuning in and more hot discussions around accessibility will be coming soon.